Welcome to the Green Machine Podcast. We've taken a little week off, but we're back with a brand new series. Wherever green is worn is our new fan feature, where the star of the show is one of our supporters who's followed the Ireland team over the years, home and away. So this week, our featured supporter is Declan Finnegan, a native of Wicklow. I'm sorry to hear that, Declan. But for, but for many years, has lived in London, where he's held various roles in the London branch of the Republic of Ireland Soccer Supporters Club, including secretary and chairman. And Declan will be well known by many Irish fans and is also a passionate supporter of QPR. I'm also sorry to hear that as well, Declan. But look, we won't we won't hold it against you today. So great to have you on the show, Declan. You're you're, I suppose, a, a well-known fan and, and someone who's who's been around the place home and away. So it's great to have you on. Oh, thanks, um, Nick. That's that's good. Yeah, I mean, look, over the years you get to know um, obviously a lot of people and particularly at the away games and because and and particularly at the sort of, I'll call them the more obscure games where it's the the, the hardcore go. And it's probably the only time we end up seeing them, each other, you know, rather than, because strangely enough, a lot of us don't see see, see each other at all at the home games because we sit in different parts of the ground and yeah. do our own thing before and after games. But when you're away, you, there's not many times that you won't meet up with the, I'll call them the usual suspects who've been around for a while. The well-behaved lads, you mean? Yeah, but most of them are. Yeah, yeah, most of them are. Uh, Martin, I mean, you you know Declan quite well, and I mean, you yourself, you you go home and away, so it's 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 a nice one to kick off because I mean, Declan, I've I've never met you, I've never spoken to you before, but I've I've heard nothing but um but awful things about you. Um, <laughs> that, that'll be about right. <laughs> no, no, I mean, I, as I said, I, I've known Declan for many many years as like when he was the festival secretary of the club and arranging trips like probably our first interaction was meeting and going on the, the famous trip in 2002 to the world cup i'd obviously been to home games as well but like that was the one where i think i really saw declan uh enjoying himself on the trip <laughs> and um yeah i mean the world cup 2002 is amazing now it's you know 20 20 years on and that was just one of the best trips i've ever been on you know i was only young then as well so but yeah like you know a lot Deck will be really familiar to a lot of Irish fans. He's he's been a fantastic help to a lot of supporters clubs as well who've established themselves, you know, in in the last 20, 30 years as well. Because um, I know I'm very biased saying this, and I'm involved now as the club chairman of Risk London. But um, you know, we were we were one of the first football supporters clubs started up supporting Ireland, and you know, Deck was at the forefront of that. And a lot of clubs have obviously started up since, but we've always been there to help other supporters groups and even Declan's now is still involved in the confederation of supporters groups and just the time he spent over the years like helping other fans and sorting out tickets I mean it's, we all joke within our club that you know Dex's the the real running runs a show on the FAI <laughs> over the years um and you know former former member uh sadly passed away Tommy Feely used to always call him that El Presidente and um <laughs> because you know Dex has just done a great job for us um but I, I mean, I, I've known Deck really many, many years, as I said, and I've travelled with him and roomed with him. So we won't put all them stories into this evening's show. But I, I don't know, Deck. I don't know if I've... I mean, we've obviously chatted over the years and stuff, but, like, what's your first Ireland match? And, like, obviously growing up in Wicklow, yeah, I mean, just got so obsessed into football. Like, the, how I how I really got um, interested in... I call it soccer because I mean, like us all growing up in Ireland, it was GA mainly, you know. But um, 
the, the first game I actually saw live in a proper proper game, I was talking about local football or something, but proper game I saw live was um, Man United Leicester in the cup final in 1963. And um, Johnny Giles played that team, yeah. Noel Cantwell and them. Um, but it, it was it was Johnny Giles that actually took my eye that day, you know, because he was just um, he, he was fairly young at the time. But I mean, he hit two great passes that led up to two of the goals. And I said, you know, really, um, really enjoyed um, uh, watching him. And of course, it, it was then when he was playing for the national team that it was it was more it was you know there was not really I wasn't really interested in club football at the time because it wasn't the same as as it is now. And um, in, in hindsight, boy, was I glad when he went to Leeds United because I could have ended up following Manchester United for the rest of my life, and and that would that would have um, been a blessing. It would have been a blessing, Declan. It would have been a blessing. It would have annoyed me no end. I've got a lunatic brother who Martin knows well. That's a, 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 one is enough in the family. But um, th- there you go. Yeah. So anyway. Um, and then, of course, you know, what, what getting involved and wanting to see. And um, the first game that I saw, because as it happened, um, England were due to play, England were due to play um, Ireland in, in Daily Mount the following year in May. And I kept pestering my dad to bring us and a couple of us. Um, but um, he, he said, that's nah, a bit much. There'll be, the Daily Mount will be packed and, um, you know, blah, blah, blah. So he wouldn't bring us. But he said he'd bring us to the next game. Which happened to be um, later on that year was Poland. So it was, it was 1964, and we played Poland at home, and we won them three two. And one of the sort of what one of the things that I remember about that game, I mean, Giles wasn't played in that game, but um, it was it was sort of a, a team cobbled together. It certainly wasn't their first team. But Andy McAvoy scored two goals. And Andy McAvoy's from Bray, you know, and sort of was an association with Wicklow in it. And then, I mean, got the, you know, there was, I'd say Daily Milk was half full that day, might have been a little more than half full, but sort of, that's where the bug was born for going to Ireland games, and we sort of developed over, in, you know, in the next four or five years about going up fairly regularly to games, um, I mean, dad bring us in a couple of lads, but then when I got to about sort of 14, 15, started going with um, some of the guys from the town, um, because we, in about 1966, um, there was a local junior football club in the town, but I was involved sort of in starting um, a youth football, a schoolboys team. Um, so, and then we got sort of all mucky and friendly and start, start playing with them. And then those crowds of us used to go up these organised sort of minibus trips up to, up, up to, um, to Daily Mount for those games. I suppose between then and probably 1970 or so, we used to go up that sort of way. And then, um, of course, I, I came to London then in 1971. So um, I it, it was it was a different type of following from, from then onwards. So that's really, that was the first game that I saw, Martin, in terms of an international. And when you went over to London then, like, is that when you got into, like, your local club then, like QPR? Yeah, I mean, what, I mean, look, I did the rest, because... A little bit of story before. I mean, one of the reasons that I ended up in London was that um, I'd actually, because I, I say, played a bit of played a lot of schoolboy football and that at home as well as GAA. I've got a County Wicklow Senior Medal, by the way. Um, oh, right. uh, yeah, with St. Pat's, my local club. 
Um, not a longer story about that, but I was only <laughs> 17 at the time, and I was I was a sub on the team. But um, uh, that all counts. It, it, it all counts. It it does. Yeah, it was probably only because they couldn't make up the numbers. But um, there you go. <laughs> but um, what happened was I went to work uh, after I, I did my leave and took sort of best part of a year off, and I was playing a good bit of football, rugby stuff like that. And um, I went to work in civil service in Dublin. Um, my dad was a civil servant, and obviously way getting in in those days and um i ended up playing with the um with in in, in dublin i played with the sort of i was with the the, the inland revenue or whatever they call them up there tax inspectors and was a very popular job really funny thing about it they were just they were just introducing paye in ireland and the section i was in them um, dealt with all the pubs in dublin and like we used to have to go around and you know get the guys signed up and the number blog said oh yeah i've read about that but i don't think i want to join type of thing you know? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway i ended up playing football with them and um I, they used to do a thing where every every year they used to play against the French civil service in, in various different sports, rugby, tennis, soccer, and uh, that. And I ended up playing for the Irish team in the Maccabi Club in Dublin. So I got to wear a green jersey for about 15 minutes before I broke my ankle playing against them. And, um, that sort of put pain to be playing football for a while. And then funny enough, I was um, that was sometime around September, October. And I was in plaster, and of course, I wanted it off for the Christmas. I kept going. We used to have to go up and down to Jervis Street Hospital in, in Dublin. And um, I got a, a mate of mine brought me up just before Christmas and got the plaster off. I was delighted. And of course, we did a pub crawl on the way home. A guy called Des Riley, he's dead now, Lord of mercy on him. Got back to my, not got back to Wicklow and um, went into my local. I was going out with a girl from my local at the time. And wanted to go in and you know do, do the old I want two feet now type of thing. I got out of Des's car and stepped under a car driven by a mate of mine and broke my my leg, my other leg. <laughs> and seriously, and I was and um, I was in hospital for taking the four months with us. Jesus, um, it, was, it was broken that badly. So I I was on I was off work. I was, I was of course football was gone and. I was doing physio and all that sort of thing. And sort of towards the end of that summer, I decided, you know what, I need a break from this and ended up coming over to London. Got to stay till Christmas. Met who's now my wife, went back, and the rest is history, as they say. So that was that. That's it. And, um, and then, because I had, I had pins and plates and all put in my leg, but I got them taken out when I was over here, mainly because I... I did a few jobs around, but I, I went and work on London Transport, as you know, Martin. And at that time, they had great benefits and stuff. And they had a, a hospital at Golders Green that was sort of run by the trade unions for working. And I went up one day because I, I looked at getting these plates and pins out. And they told me at the at the normal hospital that there was a two-year waiting list. I went up on, on a Wednesday to see this guy. And he said, can you come in tomorrow? come in and I was in there for a couple of weeks, took them out, did a bit of rehab and started playing another bit of football then with the, the lads from the garage and that, you know, the and London Transport playing for several years in, in that sort of leagues and that. But that was it. And then how I got involved with QPR, I um I I was living up the around the Harrow Road time, which is West London, um, as you'll know, Martin, mm. and uh, got to was hanging around with a couple of guys, two Cork guys in particular, and of course, at that time, there was no sky or anything like that. And what happened was that, um, you probably remember the end of this, Martin, was 
they used to get the tapes of the GEA games sent over from Ireland. So several pubs had shown them on a Monday, you know, there was Ambrose Gordon was one of the, the, the big yeah. sort of um, pioneers of that. But we used to get out to a pub in a Harrow Road called the Flora, which was run by um, Nora Packy Grealish, Tony's father, you know, and um, so we went down there and used to watch them on a Monday night. And I got to find out that it was a big QPR pub as well as a big GA pub. So a um, couple of lads down there, because I at that time, I think I'd been around most of the football grounds in London, um, but I hadn't been there to QPR. And some of the lads said, I'll come down and we go and won the games. About, it was towards the end of the season. And I went down with them on the... I went down on a Wednesday, then went down again the Saturday over the last two games of the season. And then... Um, Started the following season in September after the All Irelands, and that's um, I went down again with one of them. But I ended up by the season ticket, and the rest is history, as they say. That's it, yeah, because you've been a season ticket holder for years, haven't you? Well, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. And also, like, there's there's quite a strong link with Ireland, obviously, with QPR. You've got the Irish Rs as well, that you, yeah, yeah, that's you know. I, I sort of. We've got a Facebook group, and it's great. The, the flag, Martin, the same way. I've got an mm. Irish horse flag, and it's great. It gets great attention, even at Luton yesterday, you know, where them, um, which is the, the, the St. Patrick's Day parade was on in Luton yesterday as well. But um, of course, big rivalry between Luton and QPR. So we were all sort of fairly, we weren't in shirts and all that, but we still had the flags at the end, you know. Which G- was, G- yeah, Jimmy right. Dunn got a tough going, didn't he, yesterday? Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy Dunn is playing excellent football for us at the moment. He was up against yesterday against Cameron Jerome, who was a huge lump of a guy. <laughs> um, very, very physical. Good player, but very physical. Not dirty now, very physical. And Jimmy got a couple of whacks and um, he ended up having to, you know, get the treatment that he went off. And he went off on the Luton side of the ground and he got terrible abuse off them, real, yeah. real abuse off them. But like at the end when we won, he fucking left rip with them, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and, you know, really, really, because he normally comes down to the home end, but he really got in, stuck into the guys who were giving him grief, you know. <laughs> saw, saw that I, actually, I'd, yeah. I'd, be, I'd be very surprised if he's not named in the squad this week. Yeah, he's looking. Yeah, good I, think, for I think so. Yeah, he's looking he's, very he's, good he's for him. Well. Same kind yeah. of system as well, so it seems a no-brainer if he come in there. Yeah, yeah. He, I'd like, I, you know, I mean, obviously the first choice, and I don't know what he plans to do, and but Lithuania is probably a good chance to um, do a bit of experiment. But I'd like to see him and Daryl Lenehan play together. I've, I've seen Lenehan played a number of times with Blackburn, and he's he's he. I think the two of them would be great together. He's played out of his skin too. Very yeah, good player. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you've looked at, you've seen many, many Ireland players over the years. Um, yeah. How many trips do you reckon you've, well, you've, oh. you've been all around the world watching them, but how many games do you reckon? Oh, I, 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 I'm probably ticking up to about two. I, I, I actually, I had a, I had a list of them at one stage. I couldn't remember all the early ones, Martin, but certainly since, um, you know, since sort of the end of the eighties, I can remember those. And um, I, I'm ticking up to tick end the 300 now. Jesus. Yeah, serious, they should give you some international caps, I think. <laughs> yeah. But, like, it's, it's all been good fun. It has been, yeah. I mean, where, where's... um? I know it's been a bit hard question to answer then. So what's the best trip trip or, or stadium you've seen? Well, let's, oh, let's well, well, the, be, the, the best trip, and you mentioned it earlier, Martin, the Japan trip and Korea trip was something else. We spent five weeks out there. Uh, we went to We went to Japan. 
as you know, spent most mm. of your company. <laughs> and, then we had, and then we went to Korea and then we went back to Japan for, for towards the end of it. Um, that, and of course, the, the 94 in, um, in, in America, I, I was fortunate enough to, I brought the family with me, the wife and the two kids, and we spent five weeks out there, you know. So wow. we did a lot of things, not just the football, you know, it was really, really good. Um, so they, I suppose that was... In, in terms of football trips, but I mean, you know, Japan was so well organized and um, and then Korea was a completely different country. And um, yeah, it was that that was that was probably that was probably the, the, the best, most enjoyable trip. But some of the others, I mean, the the, the, the other the, the least the least in, enjoyable for different reasons, I suppose, were I mean, look, we've talked about several times before, but. November '93 in Windsor, you know, was the atmosphere, and um, was uh, some, something to behold. But there's another couple of games where the atmosphere was very, very bad. Two of them were in Turkey. One of them was in '91 when we played the qualifiers for '92, and we beat them three-one. I think that was the night England were nearly out. Remember, Lineker scored a late goal, yeah. which um, and then when and then when we played the. Um, the playoff game in Bursa, I mean, that was, that was mad. I mean, that was in um, 99, wasn't it? Mm. Uh, they moved it from Istanbul to Bursa because the atmosphere was um, oh, just unbelievable. It was, you know, but really, really vitriol. And, um, we were robbed, robbed there as well, weren't we? With the, with the ah, calling. yeah, we were, yeah. And um, Tony Cascarino lost a rag and all the rest of it, you know, which um, he spoke to us about, Martin, if you remember. Do you remember? Yeah. He's, still, he's still got an international ban hanging over him over that. <laughs> yeah. um, that and the other, and I suppose the other two, um, the other two sort of weird and really weird, but frightful, um, frightening for different reasons, was the game in Tehran, the playoff game in November before the, the in, in 2001, the second leg um, of the playoff. And the other one was just following the World Cup, was which we played Moscow just after the in Moscow just after World yeah. Cup 2002, yeah. not But that night, that that whole thing was the, the there was terrible. Um, the, the, these Russian ultras were involved and they targeted the Irish fans in, not only at the football stadium but outside it. I mean, I and I had I had Christopher with me, my young lad. He was only about he was what 16, 15 at the time. And um, it, it, it was, you know, after having a really good day out in Moscow that day, um, Sean O'Carroll was there with with yeah. um, Stephen and that. And um like it was frightening for the kids, you know, and it's a really, really terrible atmosphere. I was, but like, yeah, it's, it's funny. I was only watching that that Russian match only recently because obviously we're doing a little bit of research for for a few upcoming episodes and stuff. But I mean, um, Jesus, that was the first game, first competitive game after the World Cup, wasn't it? it was the locomotive, yeah. the, the yeah. locomotive stadium, I think. Stadium, yeah, I just remember, I remember watching it. Duffer came off early, didn't he? he came off injured early, but. Yeah. That that Tehran game, I I just remember Declan watching it on telly. Like I was only ten, or no, I was younger, nine or ten at the time. And Jesus, you might give a good insight into this, but I just remember the prayer be, before. Oh the yeah, game. the mullah, the mullah yeah. called up the prayer. Yeah, I, yeah. I, 
Martin read an art. I did an article about it for our Crisp newsletter um, a couple of months ago. Just and as I was writing it, I was sort of recalling it a lot better than you know as to when it happened. But it was. I mean, our, the the whole thing was um, just unreal. The 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 Azadi, you know, we went into yeah. it. And they they put us up on the um, top um, because they didn't want the locals raided raining down bottles and other unflavorable <laughs> stuff, you know, that they were doing. And of course, the, the handful of women that were there got terrible abuse in it, you know. But what they did was that um, they gathered up all the Irish supporters and brought us all into the complex. The Azadi Stadium is inside a huge sport complex. It's got gyms, swimming pools, boxing halls. It's it's typical, you know, weightlifting. It's a it's a massive, massive complex. And the stadium sits in the middle of it. But they've got a five-star hotel there as well, which I assume they use for the um, people who are taking part, visiting teams and that. But like they wrote this all into the um, into the into this big sort of ballroom type thing in the hotel. And it was actually I, th- I think it was about seven or eight hundred there, but um, it w- it was gas, you know, with so many Irish supporters, an hour or two before the game, not a pint in sight. You, know, <laughs> <laughs> you have to say and what they, and, there. And then they brought us all in and packed us all into the um, into the top, and like they, it, 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 they were quite hostile. The locals, it was they weren't bad to start with, but then when the prayer came and the the thing. Oh, it was fucking unbelievable. But they were fully sure they were going to win 3-0. They had a big banner up, you know, showing 3-0 on it that they were going to. They were fully sure they were going. And then as the, as the game went on, and it was evident that they were... They, I mean, they would have won in the end with a late goal, but they, it was evident they weren't going to win the tie. They became really, really vitriol, you know, and um, they start firing stuff at us and, you know, things like that. But... Look, it it was it was an experience as well, you know, more than anything else, because we had we had some good times out there as well, even though we we're only there for two or three days, you know, about them um, with locals. I mean, we got all sorts of it. I mean, there's, uh, I mean, Martin knows these, but and he mentioned Tommy Feely, but there's legions of stories that go on about it. And, and two of my favourite stories about Tom were Tom's a real character, known by everybody on the Irish football um, supporter circuit. I, I, I had organised the trip, um, and of course we had to get visas, and getting visas at the time was was a real pain. <laughs> but we had to when I'd arranged to have all there was twenty out of us, thirty out of us went, and I, I had all the passports ready, and I had an appointment at the Iranian consulate in Dublin, had everyone's passport, of course except Tommy. No side of him. And I couldn't wait any longer because I was afraid of losing my slot. And I went down and went in and there's a big stern looking Iranian guy in the full, the Muslim gear and all. Anyway, um, not, hardly any interaction with him, only sort of business. But anyway, he um, he took all the stuff, took all the money, blah, blah, blah. And I said to him, look, we've got one more person that's going to go. I said, um, but I said, there's a delay getting his passport. He said, would I be able to bring it down tomorrow? Um and at this time, I didn't know where Tommy was. There was no mobile phones or anything at the time, you know. So um, he said, you'd have to be here at 11 o'clock. And he says, I can't guarantee. Anyway, I eventually got hold of Tommy and brought him down with me. And we went into the, saw this guy. 
and um, Tommy was Cockney, you know, Cockney, uh, second generation of Irish. His parents were from Clare. And um, we had, then Tommy was given a phone. He said, Oh, my, my. He said, He said, I'll, I'll be, he said, You'd be doing me a really good favor. He said, um, If you could do that for me, he says, And if you can get it done, he says, There'll be a good drink in it for you. He said, To this Muslim guy. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and I said, I grabbed Tommy and said, Let's get out of here. But, um, <laughs> But anyway, um, that, so we got we got the visas. We all went, and we 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 went to um, we flew out to Istanbul, and and we got into Tehran about three o'clock in the morning. And this guy met us with my name on a board. I didn't even know this because we hadn't made any transfer arrangement. But the agent I, I booked it with in London transferred. He brought us to my name was on it. So he got us into a bus, and he bring us to the hotel. And like he said, um, I've arranged a city tour for you tomorrow, eleven o'clock in the morning. So he says, is there anywhere you want to go to? So Tommy stood up in the back of the bus and he says, um, yeah, he says, um, I want to go to Bobby Sand Street. Um, which oh, is yeah, they, yeah. They, they, they renamed it, you know, with the with the British Embassy, with yeah, Winston yeah. Churchill Street before that. And he, he said to the guy, he says, I have the address here if you want this. <laughs> <laughs> But that was that was all good. That was, that was good fun, you know. In terms in terms of doing it, of course. We, as Martin will know, we had the sadness of Tony Booth, our chairman. That was the last game he ever saw. Brought him back. He discharged himself from hospital. He had a terminal illness. Discharged himself from hospital in the morning. He rang me to say, "Pick me up in the morning." Says you're in hospital. He says, "No, I'm going." Came with us and straight to the hospital from the airport on the way back. In fact, I thought in Istanbul they were going to let him fly. He was that bad. Oh, good. But um, but anyway, look, that was that. And of course, then we knew we were going to Japan and the 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 work started about getting the arrangements for Japan, which was nightmarish, to say the least. I think one of the stories of Japan, I think, which is worth telling as well, is, is you know, we, like, like for, for, for listeners, you know the, the our club obviously and it was around it was i remember like there was no mobile phones and stuff so a lot of the administration of the club at that time then were looking at you know accommodation flights packages all these kind of things for the members to to make it available to the supporters club members to travel on this trip and obviously i was one of the people who was mad to go on it and um you know follow the team and it was just you know once in a lifetime opportunity to go to japan Dick, tell us the story of you know when you when you've done the, the mad journey into dublin oh yeah because they, they were on all the all the um, accommodation was being done through um, through agencies. FIFA had let out to agencies, and and we hadn't booked anywhere. Although we got a good deal flying with Korea Airways. See, the other part of the story was I was going to Japan anyway, even if we didn't qualify. Myself and my brother and a couple of guys from Wicklow, we were going. We booked an apartment in um, Tokyo um, anyway, so we were going um, regardless. And. Um, so, of course, when when we got the when the the lads wanted a club trip, we got the flights. Couldn't get the accommodation, so I found out that um, there was a travel agent in Dublin had got the rights to the um, accommodation. Got in touch with him, and um, he hadn't sold loads of the packages. So I said, I, I just want to buy the accommodation off. He didn't want to know at, at the time, but anyway, cut a long story short, we sort of arranged. I, I said I'll come over to see. I flew over to Dublin. Um, in the early morning, went and saw him, did the deal, and he says, I need to be paid for this today. So I said, what? I flew back to London, got in touch with Damien, our treasurer, flew back to Dublin the same day to pay for the accommodation. 
amazing that so, as well. so, I mean, so, so we got we got the lads in and um and and they were done but the other the other thing about it was that just by sheer coincidence i i'd i'd got out to um i got out to tokyo on my own the day before the guys flew out and um what happened was that um, I was meeting up with the with with the with the brother and that, and because uh, these guys were out doing um, and Tommy was involved in that as well because he met Colum and them in the lads went to Australia, flew to Australia, then flew to Tokyo, and Tommy did the same. And he met they met Tommy at the airport in Sydney. He was on the same flight. Tommy hadn't booked anywhere in Tokyo to stay, so they said, well, you can stay in the flat because Declan's not coming out until tomorrow. And um, the lads never told me, they met me at the airport, brought me in, and, like, we were in an apartment, there was three beds in one of the rooms, and, like, in the middle bed, I could see a body in it, and it was Tommy, and he sat up, and he said, do you want your bed back? He said to me, and I fell back asleep, you know? <laughs> It's like, who's been sleeping in my bed? Type yeah. of thing. But the, what I was going to say to you was, and you know this, Martin, that just by sheer coincidence, you know, the big city like Tokyo, the hotel that we'd actually booked in was right around the corner from the apartment that, that we were staying in. So it was great. Of course, I was able to go around and check that the book and that, because I was still a bit nervous about all this, that we hadn't got them. And I, I'm telling you the relief when they told me, yep, we've got all the rooms, they're fine, they're ready, they're paid for, and that. And the guys came in the following day. And then, Martin, as you know, we found that little bar across the road. Do you remember? Yeah, it's which, which became yeah. our base in Tokyo, which some of the greatest nights and laps, I think, of, of any trips in us. But, um, this, yeah, this little bar was absolutely brilliant. I and he, he, he'd like he had a little cooking stove as well. He'd like knock up a few like little noodle dishes and stuff. But I'll never forget like you know Irish fans singing like Foster and Allen and half a waltz around this tiny little kind of makeshift. You couldn't move in the place. Like it was only like probably capacity maybe twenty people if that. But just absolutely brilliant. And some of us were quite clever because we were really worried about um, the price of drink over there. And, you know, you were being told there was nine, ten pounds a pint and that kind of stuff. And we brought spirits at the um, in, on the duty free on the way over. And like we, we were kind of negotiating with the barman, the, the owner of the bar. You know, if we give you a bottle of vodka, how many beers will that be? Because we didn't really want to be drinking the, the spirits and stuff. But yeah, fantastic trip that was. And we'd always end up there. It was really good. Um, and do you, do you remember the night, Martin, before we played um, Saudi in the last game and we said to him that if Ireland won, he we wanted the beer at half price. And yeah. I wrote it on a, <laughs> remember I wrote it on a, a, a napkin, you know, yeah. Ireland win, beer half price. And when we got back from the game in um, in Yokohama, he was there and he had the beer, he had the napkin up on the bar. Half brilliant. price beers, boys, you know. Yeah, brilliant. brilliant. Like, fantastic uh, trip that was. Yeah. It really was. Yeah. So, so were you, so, so you were based in Tokyo and did you just kind of, no, no, we, just no, we, get around we, from there. No, we were based in Tokyo. We went to all. We went to the games from. Um, I mean, the Yokohama was the third game was three quarters of an hour out of the train, and um, but we went. Ibaraki was a couple of hours, and the Nagata was the um, the longest one. Mark was it? Yeah. I I I stayed overnight in Nagata because I'd arranged to do that with them anyway. But um, they were all hittable within you know on a day's on a day's journey. Yeah. I mean, even at that first game, it's a, it's a brilliant story as well. We um, Oh, the Black Pig. <laughs> we had a Black Pig, yeah. And it was absolutely brilliant. Like, after the game ended up ended up all over the place. Because remember, um, Germany played the Saudis and they absolutely gave them a hammer and didn't they? I think 8-0 yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah. And um, we ended up, like, just 
I don't know how we managed to track each other down, but I think it just went, the word went round, oh, there's a place called the Black Pig, so we went there. But they, they drank, we drank it dry, basically, didn't we, Dick? He said, he said the guy he said to ourselves, um, he, he said, myself and Stephen and um, somebody else, he sent us out in a taxi to get out to the supermarket. He said, buy whatever beer you can. We got two taxis down. He gave us a load of money, thousand pounds or something, and trusted us. And we came back full of these cans of beer and that, you know, where he told me he sold more beer in two nights because we were there to find that he had done in the previous six months. <laughs> but there was Japanese television and all down. You remember, Martin, yeah. the, um, yeah. the word had gone around. And one of the funniest things about that night, Martin, because you were involved in it, you remember the penalty shootout against the yeah. garage door afterwards with the locals? Brilliant. <laughs> Jesus, it was a serious crowd that was. Like, yeah. like massive game of kind of Gaelic football and everything on the street and stuff. It was just such good fun. Like, it's, and well, everyone was just... Funny enough, did, do you remember we went up to um, we went up to see the Irish team training on the open yeah. day um, in Chiba, Chiba wasn't City, it? Chiba yeah. City, yeah. Which was about an hour, hour fifteen minutes outside Tokyo on the train, and and that was the only open training session that they did. And we went in. There was about three or four thousand there. You know, yeah. a lot of them were locals. And we went in, and they, they came out. The players, the whole squad, came out on the on the field, and everybody's waiting. And they were getting, into, and they start playing Gaelic football. They played yeah, a Gaelic yeah. football game, and, yeah. and people were looking at them, sort of saying, "What's going on?" And like, there was a there was a couple of Good, um, a couple of decent players on it, you know, lads who could play like Kenny Cunningham and Jordan that and um, what they call him. Um, but do you remember Clinton Morrison looked like a really good GA player? Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's footage of that on um, on Rising Suns, isn't there? The where you feature, there is, yeah, there, there, yeah, it's footage oh, yeah. of the lads, the lads having a kick about playing a bit of garlic. Yeah, yeah no, that, that was, was that was, and then we went, we went. I mean, and the of of the games. I mean, I think, I mean, the Cameroon game was really good because it was the first one, and we got the equaliser. That was good fun at it. But the the atmosphere in Ibaraki that night was something special, wasn't it, Mark? Yeah, 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 game, yeah. You know, yeah really, that was really, amazing. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, I mean, and, and fun, it, funny enough, we, we were going out from the from the town out to the stadium. They were running shuttle buses. And I remember we were going out and Colin was involved in this, you know, this time before he got respectable. And um, It only stopped because the stadium became sight and people sort of forgotten about it, but it got really, really heated. But yeah, yeah great, great, great trip. That no, was a fantastic trip. I mean, yeah, I yeah, mean, it's, it's amazing. It's 20 years on, you know. Yeah, just, yeah. And that's the last time we were at World Cup. So that's, that's, yeah. that's the sad thing of it. Um, so obviously you've been around like World Cup stadiums and stuff like that as well. So and you've mentioned '94. I think one thing you overskipped there, Dick, but that was uh, you were interviewed in 1994 by Mrs. Brown. Oh, Brendan, uh, uh, Brendan O'Carroll, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we were in we were in the hotel that morning. Myself and the missing kids having breakfast. And this guy's Marty he came up and he said, "Do you mind doing an interview?" And um, he said, "Yeah." So he came up and he said to my boy Christopher, "Say Christopher was only eight, I think, at the time." He said. 
can you slurp into your cornflakes? You know, they've done this thing on it. And then Brendan O'Carroll arrived at the table and look, it was really, really funny. And of course, I, I, I didn't know what this was about. And of course, I heard there was Bedlam at it both in London when it came on the television in my local and at home in Wicklow, you know, about start. It was it's on YouTube somewhere on that still, is, I think, yeah. you know. Yeah. I got but, sent that um, a while ago actually. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. this is Declan on this one. So yeah, every now and again it kind of pops yeah. up. Yeah. So yeah, that was that was good. I mean, what did he start talking about stadiums and stuff? That, I mean, the joint stadium that day. I geez, I I'll never forget. I'll never forget going up on the escalators and and we got in and um, we got in. We'd been in a pub Kennedy's and Fifty Seventh um, Street before that. And we went out in the limo or stuff like that and um, got to the ground and. I went to buy a they had a tournament program and I went to get a couple of them and this young black guy was selling them and he says to me is there anyone left in Ireland today and I said what do you mean he says um he said I've never seen so many Irish people and we went up because we knew I mean tickets were were supposed to be scarce at the time and the Italians were supposed to have one I remember going up the escalator and going into the gap and all I could see was green, white, and orange, and a little band of the a little band of the Italian flag down at the far end of the ground. It was amazing, just amazing place, great, great stadium, you know. And as well, one of one of your friends as well is is that iconic picture of Eddie. Oh, Eddie, Eddie which, Patton. Which, yeah, yeah. We must share that up on our socials because that that's yeah, just one yeah. of the most iconic pictures ever of, yeah. of the reaction to the goal. Well, he, this guy lives in Australia now, and um, Eddie's from Donegal. And he, he when it was after Helton scored the goal, and it, you know, there's there's hundreds of thousands of clips, but this photo, it was it was it, it was in the independent newspaper, the independent newspaper over here, and it just captures the moment perfectly, and we use it. I I I always put it up to Eddie on his birthday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, he's a good lad because he he did he came to Wales, didn't he? Recently, when yeah, he, he did. Over, yeah, he came back from Australia. I, I've been yeah. out to Australia a couple of times, Nick, for work, and I've always made a point to go out and see him, you know. He's a really good lad. Uh, definitely. Um, so you've seen Ireland play most around the world. Is there anyone in particular you'd like to see Ireland play? Well, foot, uh, yeah, I mean, look, there's, there's, there's things. You'd, you'd love to see them play, like, had seen them play... In, like in the Marrakeen places like that, you know, Miss Terry Mancini scored there, of course. You know, <laughs> and, and, um, uh, but like, I'm after presenting, I was really looking forward to going to um, to 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 go to um, Ukraine because it's one of the countries we hadn't played, you know. And like, I've only been in it stopping over on flights to different places. So, of course, with what's happened now, I mean, it's it's all gone. But um, that was. And in, in, uh, I'm not sure about Martin in terms of, I, I just, as you know, one of the things I've really enjoyed about trips is going to countries where we've not been to before, you know, mm. and, um, I, I mean, one of, one of the things, I think I said this to you before, Martin, that um, I remember, I remember the first time we went to um, Tbilisi in, when was it, 93, was it that, that sort of time? Mm. Was, was so, it that? yeah. It was early 90s anyway, and um, like we went and again landed landed in the middle of the night. Um, bloke met us, brought us out in the car park in the pitch dark. We had about 30, 30 odd guys. That was a double trip. In 90, we played Albania as well. We played them a couple of days later. Brought us out into this um, in the middle of the pitch dark into this old coach, this old sort of 1950s English style coach with a cracked windscreen on us. Put us all in us and 
Henderson in the town. And, um, like, but this guy kept going left to right, left to right. And Damien Byrne, who was treasurer at the time, was sitting up front with me. I said, what is the steering going in this? And Damien says, no, he says, what he's doing is he's trying to avoid the potholes on the motorway, you know, going in. <laughs> and of course, there's no light, not it. It's all pitch black. And sort of, I, some of the lads were getting edgy about this, and I was getting edgy because I, because we didn't know, the guy didn't speak any English. Um, so we didn't know where we, we knew we were in, uh, we were in Tbilisi, but obviously didn't know how far we were away from town. Anyway, the next thing he ducks down off the motorway and goes under this tunnel. And um, when we come up the other side, the very first thing we saw was the McDonald's arches. And the minute the guys saw the McDonald's sign, they knew, I grabbed here, you know, and that's, um, that's, that's what it was. And it was in the middle of winter at, at the time, I remember. But like, we, it was, it was good crack on around because um, I followed the team around because the team were staying not far from where we were. And um, that was when we, we went and saw them play. They played England, you remember, in the rugby. We followed them down. And yeah. the, we followed them down to the hotel. They'd arranged a private show in a pub. Um, and we blagged our way into it, of course, as we normally do. Martin's a great blagger, but that was one of the first, <laughs> that was the first ones that uh, we did. But like, what the, the what I was going to say was, having been back to Tbilisi three times after, so Jesus, we know the city Tbilisi now as well as we know Dublin in terms of yeah. walking around it, you know, and where things are and stuff like that. But um, yeah, they were they they were you know it's it's gone to places and and other places like where you know the. The Macedonia we've been to, Kazakhstan was another one, you know, another place we hadn't been to, Armenia, Moldova, all yeah. these places that places you wouldn't go to if it hadn't been for football. So that's um, I mean that that that's that's it. I mean in terms yeah. of doing that, yeah. And, and what's what's amazing on our trips is though, like you said, you know, you're following the team down and like to kind of the private showings and stuff is. <laughs> You know, we always run into the players because they've, they've got a lot of time on their hands, let's be yeah. honest, when on their trips. They can only train so much. There's a lot of rest and it's a lot of travel on them as well. And, you know, we've had some great moments meeting meeting the lads in all sorts of places as well. Um, you've also though, acquired, I know, over the years, a few kind of mementos and trips. I know you've picked up a few shirts and the Aidan McGeady boot story always makes me laugh. Oh, that, yeah, that was in, the, where was that in? Was that Macedonia, was that? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we we were we were at the game and we were all crowded into one end and very strict with the military and that. And I said to this guy, can I go out on the pitch to take a photo? Kevin and Bernard and all, they were, and Steve and that. Can I go out on the pitch to take a photo? He said, yeah, okay. And then the lads followed me out. We start walking down towards the middle of the pitch to where the dressing rooms is. And um, we, we went and um, this guy said, no, 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 um, security guy and Joe McGlew happened to come out and saw us there and he said oh come in you know and um, we went in and we, we were we were in the middle of the sort of what the, what do they call where they do the pre, the interviews after yeah the press the hot zone yeah, the press zone yeah. yeah the press zone yeah and of course loads of the lads were there and of course John Delaney was there and he said oh come in he said go in the dressing room help yourself to a drink and all that sort of thing anyway we went into the dressing room there's loads of gear in that left around to which we helped ourselves to Jeez. I took a pair of boots out of the skip they were like they were they were the smallest size boots ever um I read they were McGeady's boots I reckon but um we I put them in the bag and of course 
we start telling people there were Robbie Keane's boots and everybody in the square sort of heard that I had Robbie Keane's boots and there was people queuing up. They want the, the, the people, fucking girls, old ages, they wanted to try them on, have photos taken on with them. <laughs> and, and this this story got totally out of hand as the night went on. Blokes wanted to buy them all this sort of stuff with them. But it was it was really, really funny that, that what went on that night. Um, yeah, we stayed, we, we stayed behind that night because Kevin Kilman had been kept back to do the um, the urine test and he couldn't pee. So uh, there was only, before we went, we gave uh, Yaman a, 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 a hand to tidy up the kit and put it all in the van. And, and the rest of them all fucked off on the coach <laughs> and left Kevin there on his own in the, in the room with the, the official and us putting the gear on, on the thing. And it was, uh, it was written, and then... We we walked we walked back into town from the stadium that night. That was on the way to the square, but we heard this music along the riverbank, and we went in. There was a wedding on in this sort of open sort of marquee thing, and then we strolled. Actually, we got welcomed in. Come in, have a drink, sing a song, you know, photos with flags and jerseys and all sorts with us, and um, and then we went back into town and got. The, the Robbie Keane's boot stories, but I look, they're all them. Um, they're, they're all good crack. I mean, it is, it is brilliant. I mean, um, you know, like I've always said that we should have a, have a book out or something because these fan stories are absolutely brilliant. I mean, do, do you, I, I tell, sorry, Mark, I think, I think what it, and Nick will probably enjoy this if you have, if you haven't told them already. I think one of the, I, I think one of the, um, the, the, the best things that happened, it was, it wasn't because we were doing it. It was because, um, it was because, um, with, with Stephen, a friend of ours from, lives in Wicklow. Do you remember the day we went to Tel Aviv? We went for the day. Yeah, yeah. I haven't told this story. This is absolutely brilliant. <laughs> that when when we played um, Israel, we played the second game in Tel Aviv. Um, like I didn't want to go to Israel at all. I said to Martin, do you want to go? He said, I don't know we got. I actually found Alitalia were doing a special deal. It was it was less than two hundred pounds to fly to London. Uh, from London to Tel Aviv and back uh, in and out through Milan and um, it was all we left London at half six in the morning to go to the game and we were back in London at nine o'clock the following morning time for a beer game everything else went on it but a friend of ours that goes with us um, he wanted to go it was it was on Easter Saturday that game and he said, I'll never get away with going to a game on Easter Saturday. He said, they'll go to Tel Aviv. He said, Miss. So he decided to bring the missus and the kids to Milan for the week, for the Easter, for Easter weekend. And, and he said to Jane, he says, oh, by the way, he says, I'm going to a football match on Saturday. He didn't tell her on the day that it was actually in Tel Aviv. <laughs> and, and he met us at the, he knew what flights we were on. He met us at the airport where me and Martin got dirty, two beers on the table. We oh, put the drinks. Uh, into Tel Aviv and of course we arrived in Tel Aviv none of us with any luggage or anything you know nothing and um, we got grilled a bit about why we were coming in and um, and of course Stephen this guy from the, Stephen is, Stephen has an opinion on everything fair to say I think Martin is not we said we didn't want to be in this country or only come to football. Of course, they gave us some fucking daggers about it. And of course, I had um, I had my passport with the Iranian stamp on it. Oh, and of geez. course, that, le- that, that led to other questions, you know, which took us a half an hour. But even like, oh, do you remember we went into McDonald's, Mark? We had to go yeah. in through. Do you remember the guys with the machine guns on the. You had to go through a. a, a what metal detectors, yeah. Yeah, metal. 
just to get a Big Mac. Were, yeah, yep. where, where you were going and what you were doing, and they kept an eye on you, you came back out again, you know, and um, and we we ended up in that Mike's bar on the um on the on the beach, on the beach yeah. and, uh, which is the one where the bomb went off several years ago, you know, and like there were security was tight going in before the game, it was okay after the game, and we went there, we had a great night there, but of course we were coming straight to the airport after, so we weren't staying and um we we had a good buzz with the locals and, yeah. and some of the lads. And we, I I mean, but it was it was it was a mad twenty four hours, you know, just mad madness. Wait. It was brilliant fun. That I remember that was like the, the quickest sunset I'd ever seen. It just yeah. went down really, really quickly. Yeah. The sun and yeah. and it like, it was like pitch black then on this beach and like, yeah. What what I, 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 was a Tony Moore went in to buy a drink in yeah. daylight and when he came back out it was dark <laughs> <laughs> and he only been gone for five minutes. <laughs> But fantastic trip. I mean, like like you mentioned there, you, you travel a lot with um Steve McNulty, Kevin O'Brien, Tony yeah. Moore, your brother or column, and yeah. and like Manny Moore as well. But like I must just say, Nick as well, and for for listeners that when the draws announced, I I just couldn't be very very lazy with this. I would just message Deck and say, "What are you doing? Let me know what you're doing. Just send me your flights because they get the best value flights." I mean, Steve McNulty is notorious for finding these incredible kind of connections and things like that i mean we had a brilliant trip to san marino didn't we that was fantastic yeah. and like nick, nick when we played when we played it when we played in the finals in poland in 2012 the draw was on a friday and um we had arranged that i i i i finished work early and i went up to my local with my laptop and stephen was at home with his laptop and his, his wife jane had a laptop open as well and I don't know if you remember, but we were the first of the of the of our seeds drawn out. So we knew what yeah. group we were playing. And I had done a spreadsheet that said if you're drawn B2 or you add any of the combinations, we knew exactly where we were playing and when. We didn't know who we were playing. So we got to work. We had flights, hotels, and train tickets between because we flew in and out to Leipzig and um, booked before England were drawn out of the hat. <laughs> and, and, and the guys in my local couldn't believe this, you know. <laughs> Jesus. That's, that's a skill in its own, right? Oh, it yeah, is, absolutely, is, yeah. But Stephen is really good at us, yeah. He is fantastic, though. It's good. Yeah. And they're, they're a good bunch as well when you go on the trips. Like, you, you meet all those people and, you know, we just... Again, it's brilliant on the trips as well because you reminisce with all these stories of trips and remembering stuff. It's absolutely brilliant. Um... With your, do, do you just to kind of bring it back again to match day stuff though, Deck? Do you like you must? Have, I can see your background here. I know we're doing a kind of this is a recording, obviously, but we're I can see obviously a massive QVR fan. You've got Ireland shirts on the wall as well. You've been received a lot of honours from the FAI over the years in your capacity as chairman. And a stuff. lot of abuse as well, but there <laughs> <you go. laughs> but you collect them. Um, Sorry, you, you collect. It's, uh, it comes hand in hand, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, do you collect like program shirts and tickets or anything like that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, you know, I collect the programs because you get a lot of them from me from time to time, particularly <laughs> for the games we were in um, lockdown and that. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I must admit, I don't take care of them as much during COVID. I started sorting them all out in terms of doing so. And I still have got a load to sort out as well. I don't collect as I don't collect the QPR programs now at all, hardly. My only for special games and stuff like that, you know. But mm. the Ireland ones got go back to Yonks and that and um, stuff. And and the shirts and that well, when I finish use them, they get 
wrapped up and put put in a box or something. I don't have them hanging up like you have them there, by the way. <laughs> uh, uh, but and and I, I and unlike you, I don't buy every shirt and every bit of gear that comes out. Um, the minute it comes out, it it'll it'll be um it'll be whatever shirt I like. Um, yeah, with choice. I yeah I I will not be. I I told you I wouldn't buy the orange shirt that I saw you in that day. Um, <laughs> Martin, and I cert- Martin's on commission for that, Declan. No, I, hope you I know. I, I know. I, I'm just thinking that, um, and I certainly won't be buying the new one. Um, uh, I think it's a horrible looking thing. I think John Courtney gets must be on drugs when he designs. I don't want to be libelous or anything like that. But, um, <laughs> oh, trust me, that that'd be the least of um of our worries, Declan. Yeah, <laughs> he gets he gets an awful rap for yeah. poor Jonathan. But like um. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I just, I, I like, I like green shirts, and I like the black. I, I, I think one of the things, Mark, you said about my favorite shirt. I'll I tell you, by far, my favorite shirt was the, um, the white strip we wore in '94. Do you remember the one with the, with the, yeah. the flashes down the, the front of us? And the, three stripes, I really liked that. Yeah. yeah, I really Lovely liked jersey, that yeah. shirt. Yeah, I love that shirt. Um, yeah. that, that was quite nice. But the rest of them, you know, they. They're, they're variations on a team, aren't they? That's um that they that they do. Yeah. Um. I I I just to be honest, I'd like to see. My ideal shirt would be, a a green a dark darker darkish green shirt, with a badge that had a shamrock on it, maybe the FAI logo on the sleeve or something, just something simple like that. I'd, that'd be me. What's your thoughts on like the the. The kind of strategy the new fai now with with the logo and stuff like that i mean i think we've spoken in the past about like the challenges of rebranding i mean even we've looked at that with our supporters club in london and you know the badge we use and things like that so what, what's your thoughts on that is that is it you you want to see the shamrock definitely involved yeah i mean i, I I'd, I'd like to i'd like to do that i mean look they, there's been so many variations of the of the one type of thing and whether they want to rebrand it for a reason or not i don't know but look as you know there must they must be the most least commercially minded organization certainly in ireland of the sporting organization they have not capitalized they've let all this stuff out and let people run wild with us i think they just rubber stamp it because i don't think they make a great deal of money out of this to be honest where they where they ought to be you know and like they start to do this thing about copyright and crests and stuff like that but look how are you going to stop us yeah well, well, I mean, is it, isn't it Israel and Macedonia both use um, our template of crest? Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. So I mean, I, yeah, and and I mean, look, there's, but I I just like to, I I like to see that's old fashioned simple stuff. I think probably I think I think a lot of these short designs that I mean you see it in club, I mean in club football in England. I mean they're gone mad altogether. I mean the colours, the the the, the colours I see that. At Loftus Road with away teams where it's unbelievable, you know. I don't know where, how they think them up or or what connection they have with the club. And I mean, we ended up last year, no, two years ago, wearing a pink shirt, a pink away shirt, which I refuse to wear under any <laughs> circumstances. <laughs> but that's the thing, though. I think they lose sight of what that there has to be a link of what. Otherwise, it does look a bit too commercial. We're not bringing out. Um... You know, I know years ago the FAI brought out the pink one. It was very much like breast cancer awareness. I can oh, yeah, that's that. a different but, type but of that's thing. That's a different yeah. thing. But they, now they, I know what you're saying, like, you know, the, the variation, for example, of Arsenal and Man United's 
goalkeeper shirt is exactly the same for both clubs and yeah. there's no individuality with that sometimes. Yeah. Um, just um, I was going to bring you back to one of your about your favourite players. I know you've you've you must have had a lot over the ah, years. Ah, yeah. I mean, that's my favourite players. Well, I mean, look, I, and I think that they have to go in ears because I mean, you're talking about me watching football. Yeah. Since coming up 60 years now. Yeah. Wow. I think yeah. 55, 60 years. I mean, without doubt in the in my two favorite footballers in, in my the my early sort of I'll call it footballing footballing following career were without doubt Johnny Giles, you know, with um Johnny Giles and Andy McAvoy as internationals. But the other player who who I am um, I got great interest in, and only because I used to hear a lot about him on the radio, and I, I only ended up seeing him play a couple of times. I actually met him once, and um, he was great. Crack was Ben Hannigan, who used to play for Shelburne, you know, League of Ireland player. He was a docker in Dublin, you know, but he was sort of legendary on the. And like when when you this is before television, you used to hear the reports of the Irish games and that, you know, the, he was always sort of to the fore. They were the days when you know Shamrock Rovers. Waterford, Middletown would have 30,000, 35,000 people in it, you know, for the Waterford played, you know, they're, they're great teams, great, great, great sort of, it, it was a real sort of, um, but they, they're types of players, because you didn't get the exposure to, you know, to international players or even to, you know, English players as much as you did. So, I mean, in terms of, in terms of that, and of course, then as the, as the generations went on, I mean, you know, Brady has to be up there, you know. Um, I suppose Paul McGrath, you know, you'd have to say of the Paul McGrath must be in the top two of anybody's favorite Irish players. I mean, that that day in the Giant Stadium, I mean, it was just unbelievable, you know. And when you think about um when you think about what went on in his life, you know, as he, yeah. you know, not only at the club but in his personal life and stuff, yeah. and how Jack treated him and that, you know, I mean, he, how he went out and played football, you, you just, he was a phenomenon. But like, great, you know, do that. I mean, and of course, you know, so they, they'd be, they'd, and of course, I mean, look, and, and the other thing is, I mean, Roy Keane's a great footballer. I mean, just art, he. He never got his full potential with Ireland. I didn't think, you know, and um, but like he, um, great footballer, no, no doubt yeah. about it. You know, and if you talk, if you talk, I think there's a, I think there's a difference between, I think I get this right, great Irish footballers and great footballers for Ireland, two different things, you know, mm. um, and of course they were, they, they were, um, they were sort of um, the types of things. I mean. You know, it's not so easy now about saying. I mean, another another player of relatively um, relatively um, modern era that, and you know, Mark Knight, great time from. I just a, the one of the best systems players I ever saw at his club and for country was Glenn Whelan. You know, had his had his critics, but done a job for us. Done a job. Tony Pulis turned him into the into the player he was. And then, of course, when um, 
when what they call when Trapatoni came into the Irish team, geez, there was rubber stamping what Pulis used to do, and and he done the job perfectly. I thought it was, I thought he got an awful lot of bad stick and press and stuff like that. I thought for it. Um, I think I think the thing with Whelan though wasn't he he was he was a systematic player as you said, Declan. Because yeah, but that, that, and, yeah. and we needed that, you know. We, yeah. we, we and, and a lot of teams need that. Yeah, I, I remember watching him at an, at an open training session at Lansdowne Road. Um, I think it was in 2017. I think it was just before the Serbia match in the the World Cup qualifiers, and he was the best player on the training pitch. Like he was yeah. all over the he was all over the yeah. place. But like some of the stuff he was doing, he probably didn't have the same license to do. Um, you know, during matches and stuff. You know, he was quite technically good, but he used to just sit so yeah. deep, didn't he, for us? And yeah. and again, a lot of what he did was restricting the space, wasn't it? Rather than rather than yeah. playing ball. I was just disappointed he didn't get to the hundred caps. You know, it would have been a, you know been really well deserved. Because I mean, he played whatever number of, he played so many Premier League games for Stoke, and that you know he was linchpin for them for several years. You know, that, um, and 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 of course coming on, I mean, who's my favourite player now? Couldn't tell you really. I suppose. Um, I mean, Coleman has to be up there in terms of what he's done. But um, the other the other player in the team that I like now, um, I like watching him, is John Egan. Yeah. I like John Egan. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm not sure. I, I mean, of of the other, of the players that are sort of in the in the system now, you know, that's um, that what are... I... I, I the longevity of well, any like the like the Jeff Hendricks that down. I know he's down at QPR at the moment, but um, like he he's coming to the end of his stint as international player. Say Shane Duffy's two or three years away from them. Could be could be um closer if he does if he's not getting fo- first team football because I think Kenny is keen on players playing, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Like players so. to play, um, and um, you know. Good. I mean, I think I said to you the other day, Mark. It's good to see Doherty coming back into form. You know, yeah. um, um, and I, I don't know what Callum Robinson sort of exciting, but we we just we're lacking forwards. I think I know some of these some of these young guys that are coming along. Great to see them doing what they're doing. I'd like to see them prove it two or three times for us. That's the thing, yeah. What's your view on the goalkeeper situation then as well? Like- oh, look, we've, I mean, we've never been as well off, have we? I mean, look, I, it's like it's like the man in possession. I mean, Bazuna's done nothing wrong, has he? No, no. You know, and, and, but then, you know, um, he, he's, you know, Kelleher has played well for the games that he, Liverpool have asked him to do. But, the, I mean, the other, the other guy that's played... Absolutely out of his skin is Travers. I mean, I, I was I was down at the QPR game at the Bournemouth er, er, just before Christmas, and I'll tell you, Tra- Travers made five saves in the last 15 minutes of that game. Three of them were world-class saves. I'm not saying that they're just a QPR supporter. They were they were he shouldn't have got near them, you know. Um, he was just outstanding that um, that that um, that night. And he's he's been their player of the month and that's a that for three or four months consecutive now, you know, but he's played played really, really well. Yeah, we were chatting earlier, myself and Nick, and 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 I think that the stats are incredible. Like Bazuni's had like I think thirteen clean sheets, and Travers has had twelve this year. And I know yeah. Keller has not really played, but then the profile's been quite 
you know, lifted by his performance in the cup final and scoring the winner and that stuff. We don't really want to talk about Liverpool at all. Um, <laughs> never. Um, no, ever. No. Um, like a true bank. <laughs> um, with regard to, just, I'm going to bring you back now, actually, about your criticism of Man United, which is totally unfounded, and, and your sensible brother who does follow them. He, he played football, didn't he? Oh, yeah. Um, Nick, my um, brother, John, um, was certainly by far the best of footballers in our house. And um, he actually played for Bray Wanderers and played on the team that won the Cup in 90 against um, St. Francis. Um, so he, um, he he played he played on that team, played League of Ireland. And um, then he went on and played Leicester Senior League. And he was actually coaching then at the Bray's under-21 team with, because they were involved with St. Joseph's and that. And... Um, Still plays five aside and that, you know, but he's but he's he's gone totally Man United nuts. He was always he was always a Man United fan, but he's got obsessive now. Yeah. He goes he home got, away, he, doesn't he? He goes to like, every, he lives in Wicklow, Nick. Married two yeah. kids, works for the ESB, um, goes to every single game home and away. Jesus. There was a time he was spending more time in, in England than I was. Um <laughs> And goes to like things like they go to Munich every year to celebrate the you know the three o'clock yeah. anniversary and that. But they, you know, he, he every single game he'll be over. Not unusual for him to be over in the UK three times in a week. You know when they're on this heavy schedule or Jeez. like he was in Madrid the other night and he, he was he was there at the Spurs game and he'd be back again for. But um, yeah, John John played for Brave decent. Probably best footballer in the town of his age, you know, and um, was um, got the chance with Brian, done really well with them, you know, and had the, you know, got got the year that as I say they won the the cup final. Um, yeah. Got, he was he was he was he was the only Wicklow born player on that team, the only oh, county yeah. Wicklow born player on that team. No, because I, I oh yeah, Mark, Martin Martin has uh, got uh, Martin has got to know him. <laughs> I've met I've met him at Man United games and stuff, and I was like, amazed like that. And and I've heard him on like different podcasts as well. And he's he's because he's just known now. He's a Man United hardcore support. So every, every conversation I have with John is about football. I mean, yeah. talk about family or anything. Don't what what about football? Yeah, and he still I, hasn't and yeah. he still hasn't converted you, Dag. No, not not a chance. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he, in, I, I'll tell you a couple of funny stories about him. Um, on, on the day that Alex Ferguson announced his retirement, um, did, did were they playing West Brom in the last game of the season, Mark? And he put up, he put up a big thing on Facebook about how proud he was, blah blah blah, and all the rest of us, and um, uh, that that him and his son, his son Peter is the see, his son Peter's a good footballer as well, not not as good as John, but a really good footballer. And um, he plays for Wicklow, Wicklow and Rovers in the let's just say the league. Um, but he he um, he said it'll be great to go over and see Sir Alex in his last game, blah blah blah, and all the rest of us. And I I put up and I said John. Oh yeah, he's talking about getting the program, getting the frame. I said, you know what, John? I said, I'm sure. I said, I've got the first um, program that Sir Alex Ferguson managed United because it was against it was against QPR, and I said I must have a look at it, a, a look for it. I said, I remember that game. He says John Sievebeck scored the goal. We won one 0 Now <laughs> I 
I wouldn't have a clue who played for could hardly remember any of the players played for our team to remember. Now, the detail he knows about games is unbelievable. But anyway, um, I said I'd get it when I was going over, and I said, if I find it, I'll bring it. And then my daughter, um, who Martin knows well, got into this, and she says, if that's a family heirloom, she says, I want a bit of it, you know. And, um, <laughs> So I, I brought it over to gave it to him. He said he was going to get the two of them framed and put up. And he said, when I've done that, he says, you can come up and see it in my Man United room. Said, what oh, do you mean? Wow. Man? He's got a room in the house, in Dora house. It, it's totally devoted to Man United. It's got a pool table with the bays and all that. The carpet and all the rest. It's mad. I said, listen, John, I said, to make the best one, I said, I said, I won't be coming up to see it. I says, I wouldn't want to get sick on your carpet. <laughs> I wouldn't want to burst into flames. But you're giving Martin ideas now. I know, yeah. Caroline won't be too happy, Martin. You should be, nah, nah. be coming come back to Man United room. I'm but a, but another, another, another story I heard about him, and I don't know what this is an urban legend. I've never broached it with him. Um, because he, he thinks, by the way, that I'm a closet Liverpool fan because I'm always winding him up about them you know, when United, um, you know, or, or anything about United, he, he, and he bites sometimes. But he, he, he you know, you, Mark, you know Eddie Leonard? You know Eddie? Yeah. Um, yeah. John's, John's son, Peter, was going out with Eddie's daughter, Laura, for a while, you know. And, um, I, and I, I heard this story that um, United were playing somehow around Christmas and Boxing there, whatever it was, and John went over they lost, and he came back in that night and he turned off the Christmas lights. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't know whether that's right or not, but <laughs> oh, that's madness. You're um... anyway. There you go. Yeah, no. But like no, we, I mean... we. I mean, look, the, the, the all, you know, it just that a lot of this was from playing at home in Wicklow Town and Wicklow Rovers, and. Um, as I say, I used to play, I was involved in setting up things. The, the other story I was going to tell you about that is I nearly got expelled from college, about, about local college at home, for, about soccer, the, the garrison game, um, because I, I was in school with guys who played, of my age group, who played for three or four different t- schoolboy teams around the, you know, around the locality, and um, we we decent players between us, and I wanted to get the college entered. They used to run a, a college um, a college thing at the time. Doctor Tony O'Neill, who was at UCD, you know, who was a great sort of amateur football man, and sort of founded UCD something. Used to run this, and I um, I wrote to him and um, wanted to get the team. He said. Get in, he said, but you have to be sponsored by the school. And I knew the head, we were in the De La Salle school. I said, there's as much chance of hell freezing over as this happening. So I, I went into his office one day, grabbed some headed notepaper and put the put the team entry into the into the competition. And, and the letter came back to the school addressed to the head the headmaster. And of course they found out it was me and I near, I nearly got thrown out over it. <laughs> but anyway. With regards to like your following Ireland, then your, was was Jack your favourite manager or? Ah, yeah. I mean, look, did, I mean, did he really? Didn't he? I mean, he transformed the whole thing, didn't he? The whole, the whole football, the ethos, the the the, the country, you know, about the yeah. the view of it. I mean, you know, what he came and did, and the way that he did it. I think you you. You just had to admire him, didn't you? I mean, look, he was, I, I mean, but, but like, 
it was really the first of the professional managers, wasn't he? I mean, the rest were all sort of either part-time, like Giles, he done it with player manager. Owen Hand, you remember Owen coming over, he was yeah, doing yeah. it, he wasn't doing it. And, um, um, Martin's probably told you, Nick, that um, we've been looking at London with guests that we've come over to do, you know, guest nights and Q&A stuff. And some of the stuff that these guys tell us, I mean, it's like, Chatham House rules, you know, some of the stories you hear about is unbelievable, you know, stuff that went on. And um, it just showed you how amateurish the FAI were. And if you think they're bad now, some of the stuff that went on before that, they were really bad. Uh, but in a way, but like it was, it's it was outrageous sort of, stuff, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, look, they, they, the managers that they went through at the time and, and did different stuff, but I mean, Jack was different class, wasn't he? And, um, you know, the experience he came through and um, that was, you know, I just changed the nation, really, I think, to be honest. And, and certainly, I think changed the national perspective of soccer in Ireland without a doubt. Yeah, I think so, definitely. I mean, it was it was obviously very sad when he, when, when he passed away and... and you know, the Finding Jack Charlton documentary we've discussed at length yeah. before and really amazing to see that. Um, yeah. I mean, as you know, Mark, that, I mean, that was, that's one of these, that thing about getting involved in the presentation, I mean, that was, um, yeah, you know, that was a real... Oh, yeah, so tell uh, us about that. Oh, yeah, does Nick not know that story? Yeah, no, 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 remember no, Nick no. Day, when, when we played England in that friendly, brother, a few years 2013, ago. Before, yeah. 2013, yeah. 20 what was it 13 15 15, 15, 15. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. The, one in, the one in Wembley 13 no, no 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 the one in Lansdowne it was the week oh, before yeah. the Scotland game oh, in, in the thing and yeah, it was that nil nil yeah. bore and draw they brought Jack on and did the presentation ah, yeah, yeah. well I I, think, yeah. I I did the presentation to him on behalf ah, of the fans and, and how it and how it came about was that um with the confederation, we had been setting up um, to do like um, you know, like captains exchange pennants and that. Yeah. We started we got we got arranged with the FAI that look if we could tie up with fans from the different nations, we do an exchange of pennants, you know, from a fan's point of view. We started just creating goodwill stuff. Yeah. And um, when the England game was announced, um, they said the confederation. We used to get different guys to do it. The confederation said, "No, oh, you might as well do it. It's London, you know, England, blah blah blah." So anyway, we we done it. Now this guy Darren from Torquay, who was from the English supporters, whatever, travel England or whatever they call themselves now. We were we we were going out. We we're going to do this. So this guy this guy come along from the FAI and he said he said to us, look, he said, here's what you want to do. Um, you go out, you face this, do the exchange, then do the then do the camera thing and take the photos. He said, and then you'll be off. And um, I said. And he said, don't be hanging around too long there. He says, because we've got Jack Charlton coming on. I said, I didn't know anything about this. And, um, and I was thinking he wants us out of the way because they get on with us. And he says, um, and when you're finished, he says, come back here. And I says, for what? He says, because you're doing the presentation to Jack Charlton. I said, what? <laughs> what presentation? And they, they presented with this water for glass thing. And I said, well, what about Darren here, this English guy? And he said, oh, well, I said, look. It's, it's an England. I said we might as well both do it together. So we went out and did the whole thing, and um, and they said to me, "Whatever you do," he says, "Don't let Jack take the um, take the glass." He says, "Hold on to it." He said, "Even when you present it to him, and if he's away, he said, make sure you hold on to it because he'll drop it." Um, and like <laughs> he 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 came out. I mean, the place was in raptures when he came out, and like he we talked to it, and and he and he said to me, he says, he says, "I didn't think they'd remember." 
you know. Uh, I mean, and and you and you could see then that he wasn't right, you know. Yeah, yeah. But he was filling all up, and it was tears in his eyes, and it, it was it was it was a real great moment. But it it there was no organization from our from our point of view or from my point of view. I I was going, if somebody had told me a day beforehand, I'd have probably been pooing myself, you know. But it just happened so <laughs> spontaneously, you know. It was great, and of course, it went up on all the screens around the stadium. And it was on Sky. And I had my phone in my pocket and it started vibrating like mad. And I, I called, <laughs> even Eddie in Australia got on to me. He'd seen it, Martin, you know. The, he yeah. said, how did you get that gig? And blogs didn't believe me that, um, you know, I got accused of all sorts of things of finagling my way into it. But seriously, it wasn't. <laughs> but it was a great, um, I mean, I've got some nice pictures of it, you know, that um, were done with great keepsakes in terms of doing so, you know. Yeah, that, that was amazing. Good proud moment for our, our support. Yeah, for the club, well. you know, I mean, it was, yeah, it was, fantastic. I mean, I was doing it on behalf of the fans, but for us, it was about the club, mm. you know, it was, it was good. Yeah, so that was it. And you, so you are still, I know you're obviously very much a fundamental part of us at Miss London still. We, we've never let Declan retire. <laughs> step away from the committee. No escape. I think I think I think I, I think I told about five AGMs I was stepping down next season. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, very true that. Yeah. And then and, and you're still the kind of go-to for us as well to say, right, what's happening, Deck? What's the information? Um but you could get involved as well with the Confederation. Um Yeah, the, the Confederation of, of Republic of Ireland Soccer Supporters Clubs is is just a confederation of all the clubs that all the supporters clubs that are formed in Ireland, the UK, and in Europe. And um, there's there's thirty of us, thirty clubs now around. And like it was something that started back in oh, 2014 or 2013, yeah. that sort of time. It was all part of that that gathering. You remember the gathering thing that That's they right, did yeah. about. Um, and there was some money put by and they used it for that. So I was sort of one of the founder members of it. And I've been involved with it in terms of being on the, I represent our club on it, but I'm also on the executive and um, I'm, I'm the ticketing officer, which um, is sort of a handy place to be at times, you know. Um, <laughs> Very popular but, um, man, I'd say. Yeah, well, depends on how things are going. I think, you know, that's the, um, there's days when we're not, but like, um, it's, you know, it's a it it it's good to be able to, to be involved in it and um, to, to do stuff. But you know, again, I'll see how long that'll got to be. I I I've been retired Nick from work for five six years, and I keep saying I'm just gonna sit back, enjoy going to football games. That means you're never at times, you know. So um, but I think it's coming to the time now that hanging up my pen or putting my pen in my pocket for the last time or whatever, whatever, whatever the admin equivalent of it is. But there you go. No, I must say, like, I, I, I know I've often said it to you as well, like the, the work that Declan's put in over the years on tickets and stuff like, we, you know, I just know even, I think it was Euro 2012 and um, all the kind of, because it was the first tournament we'd qualified for for quite a while and there was a new ticketing scheme and things like that and the loyalty pots of how we could apply to UEFA. And I remember... I think it was mad that Declan, wasn't it? Like Declan secured like with the FAI like and, and spent hours and hours on how how we could kind of get this code to be able to apply for UEFA. So it was going to loyal fans and saying, well, our club's represented at, at many away games and stuff. This is like the, a lot of them have been home and away and things like that. And then it actually transpired in the ticket ballot 
didn't it, Deck? You were one of the ones who didn't even get. Oh yeah, that was. They, 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 we we did all this, and I done all this planning, and you you applied for tickets, and and I remember it was actually it was actually the sixteenth of March when the when people got their emails about tickets, and I got my email and said, "Sorry, you've not been successful." <laughs> I'd, I'd I'd been to every qualifying game and every game for about the last twenty years, and. Um, so I couldn't believe this. I said, must be a mistake with this. And I, but I even found there was lads who in our club who had only joined the week before who got tickets for all the three <laughs> games. So I, 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 rang, I rang John Delaney. Um, <laughs> John said to me, he said, I, I know you haven't rang me, he says, to, to wish me a happy St. Patrick's Day. Or, or to ask who do you think is going to win the, the, the champion hurdle today? But he, he says, how many tickets are you short? And, <laughs> and he couldn't believe it. I mean, he fixed us up in the end as he as he did, but um, it, it, it was strange. But then the Poland went much better, Mark. Or sorry, France went much better, Mark, yeah. didn't it? Yeah, yeah, like, it did, yeah. We we had we got different system in place, and everybody everybody in our club who applied for tickets got them. We had a we had a, a real sort of real um, I don't know what the word is but um, it, I know that we managed it much better than a lot of other people we stopped all duplicate applications you yeah. have to be a member of the club you know people who wanted to sit with each other now we got all that sorted out everybody got what they wanted for themselves you know and um, and it, it worked much better you know to work work well for France didn't it yeah, I mean, I'm not just saying. That. I mean, I, I, I've been the club secretary and chairman as well, and I, you know, I liaise with and work with Declan on, on stuff, and and it's a lot easier now as a club administrator, I suppose, because it, the hours we used to do it was all like email. Now we can use Google Forms. I mean, I know I've said it about Rich London in the past as well, and and kind of bringing it back to Japan. Our club treasurer is actually based in Japan, and I must give him a shout out to him because he's uh, Andre Maxwell Andre. because he. He does a fabulous job for us. He's over there now, and he's he's just recently opened a bar. So we wish him the best of luck did with he, that. Uh, did did like, he go over in two thousand and two and just didn't want to come back or something? Um, no, he'd been he'd been, but he 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 he'd been that he met a Japanese girl and he went out. I think he was teaching English out there for a while, yeah. and he's taken citizenship and he does that. He speaks the language and all that sort of thing went out but I mean people don't believe me when I tell them the treasure of our club is based in Japan yeah it's amazing yeah I mean, it does uh, it I mean, perfectly you know it works perfectly yeah like the most important person in our club I'd say because obviously yeah. money is important and doing the administration for all the members and stuff and keeping up to date with their accounts running the euro and sterling account it's incredible and yeah he yeah. does it all from Japan and like response to emails on top of everything but yeah he's just opened up a bar over there so we actually sent him over uh, a signed island shirt so yeah. and it's, he's got it up already prior to place so yeah wish him Good. best of luck with that um just to kind of follow finish up with your deck are you looking forward to you i mean i know you've been a season ticket for many many years as well um do you think are you looking forward to the games next week and do in the next couple of weeks and how do you think? Do you think we qualify for twenty twenty four in the Nations League? Yeah, I mean, look, I it's good to it's good to see some games again coming up. In, you know, get a chance to. See, I hope to see some some of the other players playing as well. You know, with some of the, the fringe players, particularly in the second game, see how these lads do because you're never going to know what you put them in. So yeah, I mean, look, in terms of in in terms of like the Nations League and qualifications, I mean, look. I, I I don't know. I, I really I, I, I really don't know um, what what's going to happen. I mean, the 
this thing with the Nations League will be turned on its head with um, Ukraine, you know, and we, we, that'll, that, that all could affect where we are and where we get seeded eventually and stuff like that. Look, I, I, a lot of it will depend on who we draw, won't it? And, um, and that'll, that'll, um, that, that'll be the big, the big thing. I mean, what will, will we still, will we end up as third seed still? think so yeah it depends on the coefficient by by the draw doesn't it and i think we're currently we're currently going to be third aren't we yeah yeah um and i mean it, it depends on who it is i mean look the, the you have to you have to sort of say that the, it's great qualifying for tournaments and disappointed when you're down but i mean i i just i just like to think that steve and kenny is putting a plan into place to put the, the base of a decent team together with some of these young lads and, and see how they get on. And if they're good enough, you know, we'll, um, we, we should be able to do it. I mean, I, I mean, I know that, I know that um, like the, the FAI five-year plan that was presented relatively recently, I know that um, Jonathan Hill is keen that, um, to see that Ireland are qualified regularly. Now to be qualified regularly, you really have to be, Thinking about being first and second seeds in groups that you're playing, and that's a yeah. that's a thought. I mean, second second seed is probably achievable after good, but we're we're miles away from ever being a first seed in the group again. I think. Yeah, I think the last time was 2004, wasn't it? Yeah, and we, and we didn't even qualify for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, so I mean, in terms of 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 of, of where where we go and, um, and and what we do with it, I look, I think. I think I think these these games coming up this year, um, for what is that? I was to say the Ukraine thing is thrown a, a little bit in the melting pot. How, how many get we've got? What? How many games we've got? We've got two, nine nine then. games. Is it nine games this year? Calendar year. Yeah. Six yeah. in the Nations League, one friendly and, and two friendlies. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's a sort of in a short between between March, the end of March, and the middle of november is only sort of eight months and i think there's i think that's a great window for being able to see um you know what we've got and what we're about in preparation for going into 2023 you know for which will be for qualification so and where would you where do you think like we often joke with you that you know you should be running the fai <laughs> for many years um and you've seen obviously and experience the intricate workings of the FAI and, and share the frustrations, I think, of many of us. And, you know, they are trying to make changes and things. And there's some good people we, we, we're good friends with as well who work there and have worked there in the past and, and good relationships we've had with different supporters clubs who are trying to kind of bring changes for all of our fans and stuff. Where, where do you think, where do you think they'll be in the next five years? And, and do you think they'll get their act together? Um, it, it depends I mean, I think I think the two the two things for me, um, two important things for me, I think is, I I'm still not convinced how long Jonathan Hill intends to stay around, you know, and I think it's important that particularly what we've done before that there is a CEO at the helm of it who's sort of completely different and it's just is acting as a CEO rather than as looking after everything type of thing. But I think the other thing that, I, I think the other thing that should be the strength of the FAI, but it's probably the weakness, is this, um, is this 
fractious relationship that there is with the League of Ireland, you know. And I think international football and League of Ireland are, are now two completely separate things. And I, I'd like to see the FAI doing a lot more for the League of Ireland. Um, and because, look, there's no doubt that the quality of it has got better, I think, you know, from I sort of try and watch as many games as I can here, but um, I think the quality of, of it has got better. I think the other thing that's making it better is that some of the players who've either tried it in England, haven't come back, or, you know, or, or don't go as quickly as they used to do before. And I think there's a bit of stability there. Now, whether, yep. whether that gets them ready for international football or not, but I think making the league a more marketable thing in Ireland is really key to us. And if, if they can get that relationship right, I think they have a better chance of going ahead together. What I, what I just think is that a, a lot of people who are League of Ireland orientated just see the international team as... Oh, it's nice to be playing half a dozen games a year, but when it's taken up like 80% of the revenue or that, you know, whatever the, the, the figure happens to be. And I think that's, I think it's about having proper, having proper development paths, programs, you know, to give, to give young players the chance to do, to do both about playing the League of Ireland, but then to get them ready for playing um, in international football. And the one thing I do like is that um, it's happening recently is this thing about young players going to play in Europe rather than yeah. you know rather than in England if you know what I mean and I think some of them have done really well I think there's good there's obviously good opportunities for them to do that and I think a lot of them will end up becoming better players I mean I think the I mean the Josh Cullen story is fantastic I think but he's played yeah, every amazing. game for Anderlecht this season hasn't he yeah, I mean, yeah. he's our, our main man now. Huh? Isn't he? First of all, he's our main player, I think, like the first name on our list of our starting lineup. I think incredible. I mean, I know we've focused a lot on Wrist London on this, and we must give a shout out to one of our club members, Deck, uh, James McManus. He's a young player, quite yeah, promising. yeah, playing underage for already for Ireland, captained them. So he's doing all right, isn't he? Yeah, Nick, what one of the guys he's been a member of the club for a long time, past um, from Armagh. Um, but he lives in, I think he lives in Mead now or somewhere like that. Couldn't live in Dublin. But his boy James has been a member of the club since he's been a young lad. And he um he went to St. Kevin's um as a as a boy. And we've got an associate the club in London has got an association with St. Kevin's. We've um we sponsored um, one of their schoolboy teams for eight years. Right. Um, yeah, from the time they were under eight up to the time they were under sixteen. And that team included Robbie Brady and Jeff Hendrick. Right. So we've got a we've got an affinity with St. Kevin's as well. And James went and played for them and done really well. But then all of a sudden start getting picked for the Irish under underage teams. And he's one under 17 now, Mark, isn't he? He is, yeah. I mean he's, he's and he's, 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 he's on the bows. He's because as you know, St. Kevin's and Bows have done this under yeah, 15 they, this they, same time. Yeah, mer- merge and, and James, age, yeah. James has been called into the senior panel. I don't think he's actually played for him, but I think he's been brought in for experience and stuff like that as well, you know. Yeah, Nick's a Bose fan, so you can keep an eye on him. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll keep an eye. I'm paying his wages. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but he's a good lad. I mean, it, it just shows you, like, you know, I love seeing the, the young lads coming through and, and stuff. And, you know, I'll be like, he, him and his dad have renewed their season tickets through us. So we're very proud of, like, James and what he's doing. And, yeah, wish him the best of luck this season um, and, and pick, picked up in the uh, Ireland squads and stuff. So, so Riz, um, Riz, yeah, really, really Riz, Riz London producing players uh, as well as fans, uh, which is which is good to see. <laughs> yeah, definitely. 
Yeah. Yeah, so no, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's nice to be associated with them, you know, that to, to, to have the, I mean, look, I, I remember at the time that when we got, because I was, I must have been club secretary at the time when we got involved with Kevin's, got involved with them by pure accident. Um, one of the guys who was a member of the club, um, his brother is quite active, Kieran Heffernan is quite active in St. Kevin's. And um, Brian was a member of the club in London. He used to he used to live sort of in London half the time. Went back, and um, they were they were developing their um, all weather pitch at um, at at Whitehall, and at their club ground. And they were doing a five hundred one draw or thousand one draw. We Brian asked us would we buy tickets for it. We said we would, but by the time it got um, it got to us, um, it got to it was too late. So. Um, he he's his boy was starting to play. They were starting this underage team, and um, he put me in touch with a guy from St. Kevin's, a fellow called Billy McCormack, and um, he said, "Would you be interested in sponsoring the club?" And I went to the lads and said, "We we started off. We bought them. We spent a kit and all that sort of thing, thousand euro or something. We spent on them, and um, and then they they started off. They started playing. They they won their league and cup, and then we did them the following year. And they were the they were the most successful schoolboy team, not only in Dublin but in Ireland for for that age. As they moved through the age groups, and as I say, they had several really good players. But Robbie, Robbie, you could see when he was 10, 11 years old, was going to be a star. Je- Jeff Hendrick was a phenomenon because I I mean I remember because we used to we used to go over and see them playing quite a bit either when when. You know, when they'd be playing, when we'd be over for games or coming over and seeing them playing in finals and stuff like that at the AUL or Home Farm or wherever they'd be playing. We went a couple of times. We got invited over to Kevin's, to, to the club and that. But we used to, um, I, I mean, he was a good player, but never, I never thought that he, he looked like... But then I think when he was about 13, 12, 13, 14, he shot up, you know, in height and, um, and he developed a bit of pace about him and he started becoming a really really good footballer and um, the two of them went on and said I mean what they've got 130 on taps between them I think now mm, I mean you, they do, never yeah. thought never thought seeing them as young lads not alone that they'd ever play you know but um, to, to, to have sort of relatively successful careers that they've had in professional football you know was, was really good it's funny because Brain who's part of the podcast as well I mean he would have played against them a lot because he I suppose where oh, was that too- sorry uh, Breen, he he's on the the podcast as well. Um, All right, like like he he played against them a lot, and he he'd say very similar things. He always said, "Well, Brady, you knew was gonna was gonna go the full mile," but he said Hendrick Hendrick kind of peaked kind of later. Oh, um, he did, yeah. Because yeah. I th- I think I think when the, I I think in the year that they were under fourteen or under fifteen, they played in the did they play Salt Hill Devon? I think in the Irish Cup final. I, I think Jeff Hendrick might have only been a sub on that team, you know, if they, wow. when it got to that. And um, so, yeah, did they fill up. But you could see Robbie was in. I, I got to know his dad quite well. And um, dad worked in the airport. And um, funny enough, he used to have been a scouting for West Ham. Can you believe? And so... Um, yeah, it was, it was it was good, but you could you could see these lads because I remember going to home farm one day. They were playing in the finals, and again, it, it could have been that game. I'm sure it was Salt Hill Devon. They played from Galway, but it was played at home farm, and you know, there was eight or ten English clubs had scouts at that game watching these young lads playing, and I was talking to the guy from Blackburn, um, just chatting to him. And he was saying that um, he he wasn't he wasn't based in Ireland. He'd come over. Blackburn had somebody here, but he was come over, and he was saying that look, he said all the effort that goes into this. He was saying that 
we only have to find one Damien Duff. He said that all, it's all worthwhile. Yeah, that's it's true. All, it's, it's, it's all worthwhile from a football point of view, but it's also all worthwhile financially, you know, for them to, to be doing it. They make it worth their while anyway. So, yeah. We'll, yeah, probably, so. yeah, we'll probably wrap it up there. Declan, it was an absolute oh, yeah. pleasure to have you on. Pleasure to have you on. And the thing is, like, we probably need about five different episodes to cover all the matches you've been <laughs> Oh, yeah, there's some. There's, there's been some great ones and some... some I, I mean, I, I, what's the greatest one? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean all, England always beat, has, has a spice about it, but... um. I, I just thought I just thought beating Italy in the Giant Stadium that day was phenomenal. You know that that Italian team was something else, and but we really matched them that day. So, and the most dis- the most dis- the most dismal day. I know Mark was there the same day was when we lost five two in Cyprus. Yeah, ah, yes, yeah, yeah. good. I'll tell you how bad that was, Nick. We left the game, went back, we were in Nicosia, we were staying in Lardica, went back in the bus, went to the hotel, got our bags, went straight to the airport and come home. <laughs> Cyprus Airlines changed our flights. We were supposed to be there for another two or three days, but I just couldn't take any more. Then. We oh, went Jesus. Straight, <laughs> we went straight back. <laughs> Scar- most, scared for definitely, life. Def- definitely the most disappointing, um, mo- definitely the most disappointing uh, game that I th- I've I've seen us play. We were brutal that night, absolutely brutal, Emb- embarrassing. I think was the word. Uh no, some fa- fantastic, okay. some, some some fantastic memories to share with us, Declan. So yeah. so thanks so Any, much. Anyway, Nick, it was it was great to be doing it. Thanks, Martin, for inviting me. I hope you found it fun on that. Um, yeah, no, it's excellent. I know you'd be good, and uh, you know, look, look forward to. Uh, a lot of good trips to come as well. So, uh, yeah, don't thanks forget, a lot. Don't forget to get my tickets for next week, will you? Yeah, no worries. <laughs> <laughs> Super. So we'll leave it there. So our first ever episode of Wherever Green is Worn. So thanks again to Declan Finnegan. If you'd like to feature on Wherever Green is Worn, uh, do drop us a, a message on Facebook or Instagram. You can go onto our website as well, greenmachinepodcast.com, and you can hit the contact section and send us a message and let us know if you'd like to come on and feature. So Declan, thank you very much and all the best. Right, all the best. Cheers. Thanks.